1: It started as a call to action on Twitter, and it has mobilized a small army of doctors, nurses, and other healthcare workers who want to aid in the effort to vaccinate the population. The hashtag is simply ready to vaccinate, and I am impressed by the number of professionals who are saying yes and pointing out that it is family doctors, nurses, and pharmacists who have the experience in vaccinating large numbers of people. So, so far, the rollout, if you want to describe it kindly, has been slow. If you want to be blunt, it's failed with somewhere between two-thirds and three-quarters of Ontario's supply still sitting in freezers. But here's what the Premier says.
0: I'm confident with any uh, rollout that we've had throughout this pandemic, there's a, a few bumps in the road. But we have proven, as as Ontarians, uh, once we get rolling, we'll, we'll be number one in the entire country. Hoping we'll be number one in, in North America. We're going to be going full steam uh, forward and have all the confidence in the world.
1: Well, yeah, I'm not sure the rest of us have that confidence. Uh but this just in and uh now Ontario says that it's updated its plans and it plans to vaccinate all long-term care residents, workers and essential caregivers uh, by January 21st. Uh, It has established, what is, say, 44 sites to deliver the vaccines across the province. So that's the plan now. Will it work any better than the original plan? Well, we have yet to see that. So I'd like to give the numbers out again. Uh, what do you think? Do you believe that the province will get this right after a very unprepossessing start? 416-360-0740 toll-free 866 740 and right now I would like to welcome family physicians Dr. Michelle Cohen and Dr. Sohail Gandhi, who was a past president of the Ontario Medical Association, and Dr. Steve Flindall, who is an emergency physician in York Region. Hello and welcome. Hello. Hello. For us. Okay, Hello. let's start with you, Dr. Gandhi. I, I just read breaking news. Does that fill you with confidence?
2: So obviously, you know, I'm obviously going to hope that everything the Premier says uh, works out. And And certainly we all want this to be the case. Uh, I haven't seen the details because of, as you know, it's breaking news. Uh, I'm a medical director of a long-term care facility myself. So hearing that I can get my residents uh, immunized by January 21st, um, I'm, I'm very hopeful that that will be the case. And I'm just looking for some details and I'm personally willing, uh, the whole, you know, the whole thing behind the ready to vaccinate campaign is to make sure there were people willing to actually give the vaccines, and I'm personally quite willing to take the vaccines and take them to my long-term care home and start, uh, start immunizing.
1: Okay. Dr. Cohen, what about you? Well, so it's, it's
3: hopeful. Um, I don't think that it would have happened at this point without the immense public pressure that's been put on the government, the, the fact that the rollout has been such a failure at this point. Um, so I'm happy to see that they're responding to public pressure and, and making some positive common sense decisions. But it's really an unconscionable delay at this point to only be talking about long-term care and moving the vaccine out of hospitals in three weeks or so uh, after it arrived in, in the province and, and with over two thirds of it still sitting in the freezer. So it's a, it's a positive step, but we'll see where it goes.
1: Dr. Flindell.
4: Well, uh, I echo their hope. Um, if you take the statement literally, it's physically impossible to have everybody vaccinated by January 21st, as it takes uh, three weeks and uh, two doses to be fully vaccinated. I think the Premier is likely indicating he's going to get at least the first shot into everybody by January 21st. Um, without a uh, much accelerated uh, schedule, I don't see how that's going to happen. And, and I don't think any details were provided on that.
1: No, no, it's a, it's like a, there was a technical briefing just before we went to air that we couldn't listen in on. So hopefully there will be a bit more detail on that. Uh, now, uh, Dr. Gandhi in, in terms of long-term care. So I, I want to get to the excuses we've been hearing. They said, Oh, we, we couldn't get the Pfizer vaccine into long-term care. We couldn't get other things into long-term care. And, and then I'm looking even Quebec, which had a worse Experience than we did in the first wave. They're managing to do it. So, what was the problem here?
2: Yeah. So, you know, I, I think there's been a really a, a a really good hard look at the bureaucracy that's involved here, because I think that there have been a number of hurdles that have been put up um, by by bureaucrats to try and get the vaccine into the long term care system. Um you know one, for example, just uh just uh, yesterday, I had a briefing on this, and you know we had some talks with some bureaucrats who were talking about, well, you know, we need to make sure that the long term cares for facilities fill out an attestation form and that they're able to do the vaccines, well, I mean, come on long term care homes do flu vaccines every single year. This is not rocket science, and to make people go through that kind of ridiculous paperwork to say, Oh, you know, are you able to give a vaccine?' It is really, uh, it is really an impediment to it. And, and I think it's a situation where quite frankly a lot of the bureaucracy has, has failed, you know, it's failed the Premier, it's failed the Health Minister, but more importantly it's failed the people of Ontario because I think the bureaucrats have really, um not taken, uh, you know, not taken a very consultative approach to this with the actual providers. And I think that if they had done that, that things would have gone much more smoothly.
1: Okay, when you're talking about bureaucrats, are you referring to provincial bureaucrats, Ministry of Health, or public health, or or who who do you mean?
2: Yeah, so a, a combination of both, because uh, there have been there's always been this sense that you know the in the Ministry of Health bureaucrats there's always been this sense that you know. If we make a decision, you know, we can't be seen to be catering to a special interest group. And, of course, the Ontario Medical Association is considered a special interest group. So, you know, you don't don't try and involve them because it would mean that in the press it might come out that, oh, geez, you're listening to the OMA. That's all you're doing. Well, you know, we're in the middle of the biggest pandemic in over 100 years and probably the biggest economic crisis since the Great Depression. Talk to the people that are on the ground and talk to the organizations like the OMA and, of course, the Ontario Nurses Association and the Ontario Pharmacists Association who have their members on the ground, who have connections with their members. Talk to them and communicate with them, and let's get this rollout going.
1: Um, interesting, Dr. Cohen, that it, when it comes to uh, permissions and stuff, I remember having a conversation probably two months ago with people who were saying, you know, if, if you need Permissions to administer vaccines. People in long-term care should get on that now.
3: Yeah, absolutely. There's been how many months are we into this pandemic? Knowing that a vaccine would likely be one of the main tools for getting out of the pandemic, and we're still at this point where we're just the government seems to be just starting to figure out how to do distribution of the vaccine without engaging any community partners at this point at all, as far as I can tell, at least in my region, the community doctors have not, no one's reached out to us, to any of the offices in the community, to anyone who's willing to go into long-term care, um, anyone outside of that hospital network. So it, it doesn't really make sense to me that this hasn't already been thought out, planned out, uh, you know, written out, discussed, and and really and to, you know, be ready to be, to be put into place. And here we are weeks later, and it feels like the first steps are... Sort of finally being taken in this fumbling, awkward way, um, without really the the proper expertise. There's no primary care at the table. Um, public health, it feels to some degree, has been sidelined, and uh, and and the policy failures are obvious as a result.
1: Doctor Flynn, was a mistake. Was it a mistake to put a general in charge of this? Um, I don't know.
4: I have a lot of respect for Doctor Hill, or uh, sorry, for General Hillier. Um, I was. Very pleased when it was first announced. Um, I, I, I do agree though that there, there seems to be an overly bureaucratic approach to this. Uh, I mean, it, people are often saying, oh, we're in a war. Well, when you're in a war, you mobilize your soldiers. You don't have them sit there and uh, sign uh, consent forms saying that they're willing to go to war. You, you go full press.
1: Well, uh, speaking of war and mobilization, of course, the example of how to do it amazingly well is, is Israel, which uh, started after we did and has already vaccinated about 15% of the population, including a majority of people over 60.
4: Yeah, and I mean, uh, people have uh, linked their uh, history of uh, uh, mandated public service as uh, part of the reason they've been so successful in rolling this out. And again, we knew this was coming. Um, I don't know why there has been such hesitation to get a large-scale rollout versus a very centralized uh, uh,
1: distribution. Um, Dr. Gandhi, is, is part of the problem, I mean, I'm harking back to just the flu vaccine, which was not great this year the way it was distributed and just this is anecdotal in my experience and my callers uh people who went through pharmacies before they ran out of vaccine uh, got it done very quickly uh public health not so much so is 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 public health an impediment or is the problem that they've been sidelined where do they sit in all of this
2: yeah so So public health, unfortunately, when you look at the structure of how public health is organized, you have a number of very good, very well-meaning people uh, in public health. But you have, uh, quite frankly, you have too many public health departments. You have something like 35 or 36 for the province. And none of the public health departments actually communicate with each other. Many of them use different pieces of software. And for a physician like myself, who who is in Stainer, I'm, you know, half of my patients go to one public health unit, the other half go to another, so I have to use two different forms, right? So there's no integration, and because of that lack of integration of public health, because of the lack of sharing data, one one public health unit may not share information with another, for example, it means that from a provincial standpoint, you don't get the efficiency and the proper rollout because there's, again, too many obstacles in the way with the way public health is set up in the province.
1: Dr. Cohen, So here is a question that I am literally being inundated with from people, and that is people who are in an older age group, and they want to know, how will I know when it's my turn? They tell me about people they know in Britain, for instance, who actually all get phone calls to say, you have an appointment at such and such a time at such and such a place. I know that uh, healthcare workers have got emails, but has there been any communication on that?
3: So there's been in my region, So I'm in southeast Ontario in a a small community, there's been no communication whatsoever. And so we have patients calling the office frequently asking, when is the vaccine going to be available? Can I get on the list for the vaccine? I want to, you know, I want to get the vaccine and we have nothing that we can tell them. So not only are we not being informed when our time is to get the vaccine or when we can assist, say, going into a local long-term care facilities or delivery to our patients, we don't even have any information that we can pass along to our patients aside from just the same, you know, government website that everyone has already seen that gives very little information. So the fact that we all got basically the same information back in December and there has been no update to that information, no reaching out to any of the community offices any of the community facilities, any any physicians or anybody out here, especially in the smaller areas where we are quite far from hospitals, particularly the large downtown hospitals, um, you know, we're, we're just kind of left adrift, hoping that at some point someone will remember that we're here and give us some information on what's going on and what to expect.
1: Okay. Well, I've, I've put that question to, uh, the Minister of Health. I got one email back saying they'll try to get back to me this afternoon. Frankly, I don't have high hopes. Yeah. Because I don't think much. they have thought about this. But, but if anyone is listening in government, people are really concerned about This also, another thing they're concerned about, and the talking about older people. I was frankly shocked when I heard that the plan, such as it is, is to get to people over 75 maybe at the end of April. That's not good enough. Um, Dr. Flindall,
4: well, I I have to agree, and I mean, I, I, I think the reason you haven't had an answer to your question is they don't know. I think they're struggling just to get the extremely high-risk groups done. Um, I fortunately got my first dose because I'm in the emergency department and I see COVID patients every single day. Um, The next step is to get the long-term cares done, and I think they're struggling just with the logistics of getting the frontline healthcare workers and the LTCs done. I don't think anybody has thought too much in detail past that point.
1: Yeah, I mean, but you know, frankly, people over 80 uh are at higher risk and and I've also started to hear from people who're saying, "Hey, um I've I've kept my parent out of a long-term care home and they have dementia and we're all doing our best at home, but you know, why aren't they being vaccinated?"
4: Oh, I I can't agree more. I I mean, if if people are caring for elderly parents at home, um, I think they're just as deserving of a shot as uh, elderly people in long-term care. Having said that, the people in long-term care are obviously at higher risk for contracting the disease. So they, they obviously have to be the initial focus. But, um, yeah, people are getting anxious and, uh, and want to have some more concrete information to act on.
1: Dr. Gandhi, did you hear anything at all about um, how it will be done when eventually it comes to the community?
2: No, uh, unfortunately, I haven't heard anything about the community. But I, what I would like to say is that I know certainly in my community and I know certainly um, the Ontario Medical Association has a COVID access, uh, Action Group. And i got to tell you, we're all willing to help. And I think that's the, the the main message that I want to get out here today is, one, I, I, I want to acknowledge that there is... Um, a, An issue of how many vaccines have been ordered, that's a federal issue because of the federal government that ordered vaccines. So I don't know how many vaccines are are coming. But the big thing I want to point out is we have a whole host of people who are willing to chip in, who are willing to contribute, and who are willing to get people vaccinated so we can end this thing as soon as possible. And I think that's the real message of the Ready to Vaccinate campaign.
1: Here's... An interesting thing. Yesterday, uh, we were also talking on the show about the rollout, and uh, one of the doctors was of the opinion that when it comes to the community at large, the issue is supply. The Prime Minister keeps telling us that he, he's ordered millions of doses, uh, you know, m- many different doses for each resident of Canada, but I guess the question is, when are they coming. Um, Dr. Cohn, do you think that one of the issues is that uh, maybe we're getting lots of doses, but we're not getting them anytime soon?
3: Yeah, also partly supply. So I have no idea. It doesn't seem like anyone has any idea when the vaccine is actually going to be here in the province, ready for the province to distribute. And then what that distribution network is going to look like. Is it going to be concentrated in the urban areas? That, those are the areas that are most affected. However, there's been a lot of spread to smaller areas smaller areas are harder to get to and we don't have large hospitals that everyone can just pool their resources into. So I'm a little worried that the smaller communities are going to be left out at this point. And we you know there are a lot of other reasons why people in rural areas are more vulnerable to things like pneumonia and other, you know, have a higher burden of chronic illness and are more vulnerable in general to complications from COVID nineteen. So I really don't want the smaller communities to be left out. But historically, when it comes to Ontario healthcare and Canadian healthcare, rural communities are generally left out and not part of the planning process. So I, I, I definitely see the same sort of pattern starting starting here. A lot of promises, a lot of big dreams and big goals and big you know promises and, and PR opportunities to make the premier look good or to make other officials in government look good. But then when it comes down to actual distribution to the communities uh particularly smaller communities there's just no plan and no communication and we really don't know where we're at you know weeks into the v- the vaccine first arriving in Ontario
1: I am talking to three doctors who are part of the hashtag ready to vaccinate. They want to help the, can I say, pathetically slow rollout of our vaccines. In the midst of all of this, just before we started talking, uh, this just in communique from the government, they are accelerating their rollout and they say they will have long-term care all vaccinated by January 21st. Hard to imagine how they will do that given the start, but we want to give them the benefit of the doubt. We hope that will happen. Uh, People are worried. Older people want to know how they will be told that it's their turn. Nobody has any idea. Um, It just uh, seems to be uh, quite the mess, Dr. Gandhi.
2: Yeah, and, and again, it just goes back to what I said earlier. Like, I really do feel that there needs to be a really good review of how the bureaucracy has functioned in this, both at Public Health and at the Ministry of Health. Uh, I think that a lot of the actions that were taken out of fear that, you know, they would be seen as kowtowing to a, a special interest group like physicians or nurses or whatever, and they had to make independent decisions. Has really hurt the people of Ontario uh, in uh, during this crisis because they they should be talking to the people who are on the ground uh, who know their communities well and who know how to distribute. I, I know how to distribute uh, the COVID vaccine once it's available to the residents of Georgian Bay where I practice. I'm I'm 100 confident I can tell you how to do that in five minutes, right? So uh, that that's where there's been a failure of the bureaucracy and where the bureaucracy has really failed both the political leaders and the people of Ontario.
1: Uh, and, you know, it's interesting. You said that uh, different public health units, different softwares, you know, m- my thing is they still use fax machines, Dr. Kahn.
3: Oh, yes. <laughs> we still use fax machines. I'm also on a border region between two public health units. So I have some patients in one area and some patients in another. And, and yes, it, gets, it can be quite a headache uh, in normal times and non-pandemic times to try to figure out what someone has access to, and which catchment area, and which form to complete. And so that that can be very frustrating to be in a border region, uh, to have it to de- having to deal with all that. But, but yeah, absolutely, we, we are still reliant on fax machines, so it's kind of hard to imagine um, how, uh, how we could solve this with technology, because we're, we're kind of lacking in that. Uh,
1: I know that uh, the pharmacies have volunteered. I mean, not exactly volunteered. They would expect to be paid, but uh, pharmacies do a pretty good job of, of getting flu vaccines out, Dr. Flindahl.
4: Yeah, well, um, again, this uh, the flu vaccine this year wasn't a smooth rollout either. I, I know uh, I get mine through the hospital. I got mine in a timely fashion. But my wife was one of those people that uh, signed up for uh, a pharmacy vaccine. And her appointment that she had set three weeks beforehand got canceled the day of because the pharmacy ran out of uh, doses. Um, so you know, uh, there has to be a coordinated effort uh, for sure, and um, I just I just don't understand how we haven't had at least frontline workers and the long term care facilities vaccinated by this point because. As Dr. Gandhi was saying, we know how to do this, we do this all the time. we could have I think we could have delivered all the doses we had by this time uh,
1: well the the other thing is i I have heard anecdotally about some hesitancy among long-term care workers, and I brought it up yesterday with uh, Dr. Hodges from the University Health Network and he said they're taking their mobile unit to long-term care and addressing the concerns uh, which is different than a long-term care worker who might uh, have some hesitancy about going to uh, a, a different place offsite. I mean, do you yeah. have any awareness of that? Well, I've
4: heard, like, a few reports of that, but at the same time, uh, those, I think, are a uh, minority of the people that would be uh, appropriately vaccinated, at least at this stage, and uh, just say, okay, well, if you're hesitant, that's fine. We're going to give everybody else that wants one, one as quick as we can and we can address the, uh, the people that are hesitant in more detail. But get the, get the doses we have into the people that want them as quickly as possible.
1: Okay, we are starting to run out of time. What would you like to leave us with, starting with Dr. Cohen?
3: Um, so I think we need to engage community partners. Um, you know, out, out in the community, we, as Dr. Gandhi said, we know our patients best, we know our community best, and we know how to distribute this vaccine best. So I, I have a number of elderly very vulnerable patients who are not going to be driving to Toronto or Ottawa anytime soon to access this vaccine and they likewise will have a lot of trouble traveling even to our closest hospitals if that's the only way we're going to distribute this vaccine so there it is absolutely ridiculous that we have not there have not there has not been any outreach or any connection made between uh, between Toronto, between the, the people in charge of distributing this vaccine and any of the communities, particularly the smaller communities, because we are the ones who are going to ultimately be providing primary care to people in this area. So to not involve us in this is, is just part of the policy failure, just an example of the extreme policy failures
1: with this rollout. It's really, really disappointing. And uh, Dr. Flindell, 20
0: seconds. Um,
4: sorry, I, I would just urge the politicians to... Uh, drop the bureaucratic barriers that have been put up uh let the health care providers uh, do what they're trained to do and want to do uh in huge numbers and uh let's let's get the doses we do have into people as quickly as we can
1: dr gandhi 20 seconds
2: yeah so i hope the politicians take a message that we're here to help and we want to help we want to help the people of ontario and we want us to recover we have 10,000 active family practices across the province I believe it's reasonable for us to deliver 100 vaccines per doctor every week. That's a million a week, and that'll end the pandemic pretty quickly.
1: Okay. On that good note, thank you so much, Dr. Sohail Gandhi, Dr. Michelle Cohen, and Dr. Steve Flindall. Thank you. Thank you. And that is all the time we have for today.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio, heard weekdays from noon to one.